Hi everyone, I'm Rosanna and this is AFL Obsessed. OMG, so quick check-in to see how everyone is doing. Have you survived the last week and weekend mostly intact? It's been an incredibly emotional time in the world, the kind of emotion that I have felt previously can seemingly only happen in sport. The last week to me honestly has felt like the last two minutes of a close grand final game and every day has felt like a 30 second period where anything could happen. And I think that's why it's been so hard to process because it's like the ultimate game we didn't sign up to play where the rules and the stakes keep changing every hour and sport itself seems to have been canceled. So I know it's been hard to articulate everything that has happened, and I know you've all seen successively the NBA, March Madness, Formula One. There's been like a domino effect of cancellations. March Madness, I think, really cut deep. I really enjoy making a bracket and just watching Cinderella stories happen along with just my personal team. As for footy, Just like so many of you, I mean, I have been waiting for the season to open since September 19th, 2019. You guys know that footy is my coping mechanism for life. So like so many of you, I just, it's been kind of numbing. I think coming to terms with the fact that our season and our sport might not be irrevocably changed, but just altered in, you know, nonetheless, and maybe in an unrecognizable form. And this topic has never made me sad. It's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, though, since I would say midweek last week. Uh, typically, I'm starved for footy news. And lately, I've been afraid to look at any notifications. I think because we're all just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I know we're going to get the final word tomorrow whether or not round one will even go forward. It's hard to imagine just a couple weeks ago that we're in this spot and we're going to find out in the 11th hour. But just know that no matter how all this plays out, I'm here with you. We can all grieve together and we can all imagine what it will be like when we make it out on the other side and footy starts again. I still have plenty of guests I'd like to bring on and share their stories. So I hope you'll still be here to hang out on this journey with me. And if you need someone to talk to about 40 or just want to share what you're up to during this interim period, feel free to email me. Um, I have nothing but time, aflfootyobsessed at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter, aflobsessed. And as far as where New York is now, a little bit about how the city is and where it stands. And some of you have checked in with me and have been asking me, I can tell you what New York City has been like since COVID-19 hit in Manhattan, well, New York State, and then ultimately in the city. Um, And as of Sunday and Monday, I think it is now Tuesday. Um, But as of Sunday and Monday, schools have shut down. And as of yesterday, all non-essential business has shut down too. It was really surreal on Sunday. Um, My boyfriend, Andrew, and I actually had to check out some apartments And there was not a soul in the train station hallways. And when we got on the train, there were all of eight people, maybe tops in the car with us. And everyone was sitting as far away as possible from everyone else. So it is a little bit of an emotional time because we have really good friends that 
we had to say bye to. They're moving back to Australia. They're actually on their way now. And I think they're going to have to do a mandatory 14-day quarantine, quarantine, excuse me, that I think Roaming Brian will also have to do when he lands back. But we did wake today with the news that um, the Australian Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade has issued advice recommending that any Australians abroad who want to return home do so as soon as possible. And so maybe they left at just the right time. Um, I have been talking to my friends who were here around the time um, that Hurricane Sandy hit and also 9-11 and everyone collectively, we all agree it's been, it's never felt like this. New York City is one of the most resilient places. And right now I do feel like it's a bit ghost townish. There's really no one on the streets even in the evenings around 8 p.m. And 10 p.m. feels like 3 a.m. So, and I know just in the last hour, our mayor has said that we're considering a shelter in place order in the next 48 hours, just like San Francisco. So we're gonna be finding out in the next two days, whether or not we're going to just be, you know, bunkered down and kind of in our own self-quarantine. So for now, I'm planning to just kind of kick the Sharon around when you need a break from all this self-distancing and feel like a little bit of the cabin fever setting in. And I know that the latter predictions have been coming out and a lot of people have been publishing them and just showing kind of where they think the latter will end up. And I've always had my prediction too, but considering all the info we've been given now, the teams may only play each other once um, during the season and it's a potentially shortened season. So my boyfriend and I did make lists and it's so difficult anyway to make the predictions, but you know, as I still believe like personal player and people safety is paramount. So even if we don't have a season or if it is postponed, this is just kind of what I've come up with for fun. Number 18, um, I'm sorry to say, just like most people, I think Gold Coast will get that wooden spoon. So hopefully not. I want the best for them, but you know, I do have to make a ladder. 17, I think will be Adelaide, actually. I think there's still a little bit on the struggle bus. I hate to say that. Um, and 16, North Melbourne, I think um, I think they're going to end up somewhere along the bottom. I apologize to all these teams that are on like the lower bottom five, um, but I did have to make a list. And again, my boyfriend and I made these with like maybe 10 minutes like before. So um, hopefully you're not judging me too hard. And I would say number 15, I'm going to say Hawthorne. I think that they're going to take a little bit of a tumble. You know, I think they're going to just end up like lower than probably expected. Um, I know someone always falls off the ladder and then some people climb. So number 14, I would say Sydney. Number 13, I'm going to say Frio. Number 12, I'm going to say Carlton. I know a lot of you are probably going to be like, how are they even that high up? But I think they're going to keep climbing until they become that super team in future. But I think they need another year before they get close to cracking that. And number 11, I'm going to say Port Adelaide because I think they had a youngish team last year. Um, number 10, I'm going to say St. Kilda. I think they have Ratton, so I'm a little bit more optimistic about their team. And number nine is Essendon. So as much as that also pains me. Um, and in my top eight, I'm going to say number eight will be Melbourne. I think they're going to climb back up after a disastrous season. Seven, I'm going to say the Bulldogs. 
six, I'm going to say Brisbane. And number five, I feel like the top five is just so difficult because there's all these teams that could really hold that. But I'm going to say for my top five, West Coast is five, four is Geelong, three is GWS. And gosh, these two are so difficult, but I'm going to say Richmond for number two. I think they are the defenders coming into the season for now with no injuries, but that could always change. And number one, as much as this ultimately pains me, I think it will be the Magpies. So I do have a little caveat that I do think that the Bombers will squeeze into the top eight at the same time that I look at the list and it's hard to reconcile because I do see eight teams better than them. So I'm hoping for the best, but you know, it's kind of like if I were to play super coach and just only pick players I liked and not consider like any data or analysis. But anyway, I'm going to post both of our teams on Twitter so you can let me know your thoughts. And I mean, footy fans don't hold back their opinions. So, but you can definitely see his list. The funniest thing is, you know, it's so hard once you get after like the top eight and who's maybe not going to actually make the final series. Um, I wasn't super confident, but then I looked at his list and I was like, this is a really crappy list. Like this is definitely not how the season's going to go down. So I'd love to know your thoughts versus what I think, what he thinks. Um, yeah, I think it'll be like a fun review, especially since we have time to just kind of be reading um, anything about footy. So join in the chorus and sing it one and all. Join in the chorus, North Melbourne's on the ball. Good old North Melbourne, the champions you'll agree. North Melbourne is the team that plays to win for you and me. So it might not be obvious, but just in case you're wondering where that song came from, in keeping with just AFL history and the timeline of clubs, I wanted to introduce the fourth club, and that's North Melbourne. They were established in 1869, and I gave it a couple extra little beats because I just really like that song. I think it's kind of a cheerful one, and they did celebrate their 150th anniversary of their founding last year, so it's kind of a big deal. And, um, you know, their colors are royal blue and white, and they are known for their shin boner spirit and for pioneering Friday night football in Australia. And it is hard to pinpoint the actual definition of what shin boner means. And I know that I was trying to do some research, but thanks to my friend, Michael Weber, who summed up kind of what shin boner spirit is in a great way. He said that it's pretty much the grit and fight about honoring the guys who originally represented the club. And the shin boners dates back to the days before footy was a full-time job when a lot of the players worked at local abattoirs and they spent their days separating meat from shin bones. 
So it was the original club name before they actually changed it to the Kangaroos in the mid 50s. And I know everyone calls them the Roos now, but that Shinboner spirit is still there and always will be. And the commentators actually use that saying as a reference during North games when the players like refuse to die or go away or they come back from like a long way back in the game. And so thanks for that. Um, And the notable players for their club, I would have to say are Wayne Carey, um, Keith Gregg, Glenn Archer, obviously, and Brent Harvey, who is the current record holder for 400 games. And coaches, I would say Ron Barassi, again, the great Ron Barassi, and Dennis Pagan. I've actually been re-watching a lot of Glenn Archer's kind of white line fever replays. Um, if you have time to just watch his replay footage like on YouTube and his front bar interview is actually pretty hilarious. Um, but he was awarded the Shinboner of the Century Award. So, and there's actually a great documentary too that I saw recently. It's called The Final Story and it's detailing the grand final game for North Melbourne, um, North Melbourne, excuse me, against Hawthorne and it was about their first premiership so it's kind of a fun watch I feel like some of us may have a little bit more time now and for the spotlight segment today it was something that I introduced previously and it's just about someone that's footy adjacent meaning not an athlete because we spend so much time talking about the athletes in the sport and I feel like there's just so many people surrounding or behind the scenes that kind of makes and helps to create and maintain like the game that we all enjoy today. And this nomination for this week was actually sent in by Frode Jernhart, and he nominated the great Susan Alberti. So she is widely considered the patron saint or the fairy godmother of football to the Western Bulldogs. And she has lived such a remarkable life, I would say, through unspeakable tragedies and somehow she's still like the most smiling and selfless individual. So just a little bit about her background. She started a construction company with her husband and he actually passed away in 95 after a hit and run. And she was kind of left with this company with 300 employees with mortgages and bills. And she figured out a way to single-handedly going back to school, but resurrecting the company so it could survive through this period. And she was, it was a construction company. So she was the only woman in kind of that field of men. And I think she was the only person that, the only woman in the state of Victoria and maybe in the country with a license at that time in that industry. So, um, and she also had a daughter, Danielle, who was diagnosed with, I want to say type one diabetes at age 12. And her daughter was actually living in New York when she found out she had kidney failure. So Susan actually flew to New York to collect her daughter back. She was going to donate one of her own kidneys to her. And um, I think just a couple hours into the flight, Danielle passed away in her mother's arms because she suffered a massive heart attack. And so Susan just kind of had to fly the rest of that flight back, knowing that that had happened and that had passed. And Then later on, after um, she actually, Susan herself, was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So after a year of chemo and like 34 days of radiation, she worked through it all. Um, And she's always been 
a patron of the footy club um, since 20, 2003. She's always been a supporter and she was on the cheer squad for the Western Bulldogs, but she became a patron in um, 2003 and she joined the board of the Bulldogs in 2004 and she ultimately became the vice president of the doggies in 2012 and she is known for just tirelessly advocating to the commission and the media and the country really for the introduction of a national AFLW league and that's because she herself actually played until the point where she was told that she couldn't anymore. Um, and she was turned away as a child because she was a girl. So just advocating for women in the sport and now helping to pioneer the actual league and sport for AFLW. Um, I feel like we need her dogged determination now to get through this period. So Susan Alberti, we honor you. She has been honored as an officer of the Order of Australia in 2007 for um, her contribution to diabetes research. I think she's raised over like a hundred and a uh, hundred million for diabetes research. She has her own foundation and she was named Victorian of the Year in 2018. There is a really good book on her called The Footy Lady, The Trailblazing Story of Susan Alberti. So if you need a good book right now, um, that's for you. And please feel free to send in your nominations for a future episode. I'm happy to include it and really to always talk about footy. Again, that's AFLFootyObsessed at Gmail or hit me up on Twitter. So that's it for me, everyone. Stay safe and sane. Check in on your friends and neighbors. We'll get through this like footy. I am virtually hugging you and we'll talk footy soon. <laughs>